Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. It's Jeff. We wanted to let you know this podcast was recorded on Monday, December 18th, 2023. By the time you hear this, some things may have changed here or there, but we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Table Talk here at the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast Show, the longest-running weekly Philly sports podcast show in the world. That's right, over 10 and a half years strong. Can't believe we've been doing this podcast for this long, uploading the content that we have been uploading for well over a decade. We hope you enjoy this upcoming Table Talk discussion as the college football bowl season is here. It is finally here. We've got some really great games, I think, that we're going to be seeing in the near future around, uh, you know, after, after the Christmas holiday, right around the New Year's time. But we're going to be seeing some fascinating college football, I think. And we've got a great guest to get into it this week. Let's get right to it. And it is great to have back on the podcast coming to us from Fansided. He does a lot of writing for uh, uh, college football, as well as some NFL, but specifically we're going to be getting into some college football today. We've got the one and only John Bueller. John, man, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Good to be back. Definitely happy to talk about some college football. Definitely not the NFL after yesterday. My Atlanta Falcons, goodness gracious. Your Atlanta Falcons, wow. You know, what an interesting division, though. I know we're not here to talk about the NFL. We're going to be talking college football, but man, that, that NFC South, a very, very interesting division, my friend. I know it's all over the place. It's really exciting. It's like I can't believe one of them is going to have to host. <laughs> hopefully the Cowboys and probably hopefully not your guys. Hey, yeah, be, there you go. Would... We'll see how that happens with this Philadelphia Eagles team after this uh, <laughs> game tonight. Uh, again, we're recording this on Monday, December 18th. But uh, John, I know you've got some great stuff that you've been doing over at Fansided. I wanted to get that out for our listeners so uh, they know where to find you. I know you've been doing some podcasting as well. Tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Bueller118, B-U-H-L-E-R-118. There's a link to my author profile on fansided.com. I write for the flagship site. I mostly cover college football, the NFL, and I'm also, you know, I write a lot about the Braves, kind of have some ties there with the division and stuff, writing a little bit about Otani, but that's kind of my honey hole here, but that's that's kind of what I write there. So All right, very there. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, got, I forgot about the podcast. Yeah, I got to promote yes. that too. Yes, uh, we've been doing a college football centric podcast on fansided.com with my colleague, Cody Williams. It's called False Start. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere there's podcasts. It's just two dudes with long hair who like to <laughs> shoot the breeze about college football. It's really dumb, but it's been a lot of fun. And um, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter there at CFB False Start too. 
We do dumb stuff constantly on this podcast, and we've been doing this for over 10 and a half years, John, so uh, everybody, go listen to the dumb stuff. I'm kidding, of course. (laughs) Let's, (laughs) you know, let's uh, get into some college football talk here with you, John, because like, I, I, you know, I, I reflect back on what this 2023 college football season was, and it was just a unique year, I think for college football in general. You know, we saw Ohio State, you know, faltering from time to time, not as maybe the the, the dominant football program that they that they have been in uh, in recent memory. Missouri, I mean they, they were a team to be reckoned with at times as well. Florida, they were certainly a disappointment I think this year when we reflect back on this season. West Virginia was certainly a surprise, I think, for many as well. So I'm wondering, what was one of the biggest under-the-radar college football storylines during this season that you particularly followed, and how did that impact college football overall? Definitely the really bad offense there in Iowa City with the Hawkeyes. <laughs> that was that, that that tapped into the sickos for all of us there. Yep. Like We can't believe just how poor... The Iowa offense was under Brian Ferentz. The defense was spectacular. I mean, Amazing. Phil Parker yep. won the Frank Broyles, and this team went 10-2, and two, won like the Big Ten West, and I don't think they scored a point versus Michigan and Indy. <laughs> but just the fact that like there was a clause in there, like you need to average 25 points a game, and that's kind of how everybody came up with the drive to 325. And I don't even think he got to 200 before interim 80. Beth Getz is like, Nah, dude, you're out. Like, right, right. It was, it was this the craziest thing ever. I feel so bad for their players. Like, really, once Cade McNamara got hurt and they had to put Deacon Hill in there, they they couldn't move the ball. Couldn't do anything. Like their their points. Yep. They could they could kick field goals and block punts. That's about it. But yeah. I thought like in terms of just an underrated story that was just weird. That was the one that immediately came to mind to me. I've never seen such a dichotomy in college football in terms of one particular program where you have absolute dominance on one side of the ball and defense and or offense. And then on the other side of the ball, they could not do anything at all. It was like you said, I think it was really an under the radar storyline. I mean, those those of us that really follow college football closely, we kind of know what was happening with Iowa throughout the course of the year. But my gosh, I mean, in terms of them being a quote, you know, bigger type of team within the Big Ten. My gosh, how 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 two polar opposites of offense and defense ended up working out this year for them. It was really, really quite spectacular, John. Oh, definitely. The thing about them is like they were in and around the top 25 the whole year. Yeah. And I mean, they didn't do so hot against uh, Penn State and Michigan and other things like that. The loss to Minnesota for Floyd was really weird, but then they won like a 10-7 game that I actually predicted over Northwestern at Wrigley, <laughs> which was crazy. Oh, uh, it's 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 so interesting to look back on some of these storylines here. So yeah, as we're moving along though, John, you know, the, the bowl season actually starts today with the famous toastery bowl, which is Western Kentucky versus Old Dominion. I th- I think it I think it's happening at like 2 30 or something, and nobody's gonna be watching this game really. But uh I, I do wonder, you know, and, and we've talked about it on this podcast uh, over the years, again, over the past decade, a uh, number of times. I'm I'm wondering do you think the college bowl season has gotten a little bit ridiculous with the sheer number of bowl games that they actually that there actually are, or do you think it actually kind of helps the college football product? What are your thoughts here? 
I mean, what an interesting one to have here on a Monday over yeah. there, not in Bank of America Stadium, over there um, at where the the Forty ers play for UNC Charlotte. Uh, hopefully, it's not a soupy mess because that was a, that was a hailstorm, just a monsoon there in Charlotte yesterday. Yeah. But I, I think with Division One expanding with so many teams, I think an opportunity for everybody that finishes at five hundred or better to play with their friends is kind of cool. Yes, the games are going to be like on ESPN for the most part, and you can watch them if you want to. But I think it's an opportunity for these guys to play with their 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 friends, their college teammates against somebody they're never really going to go up against. Yes, I mean, can Western Kentucky play Old Dominion? Sure, they're not that far apart, different conferences and stuff. But the one thing that really intrigues me about what's going on with these bowl games is like, there's opportunities for the players to get better for yeah. everybody to kind of like level up there. Yep. And it's just, it's just even more, it's just bad if you don't make it like a yeah. team like Florida that went five and seven, their, their season's done. They're not going to do anything until spring practice. Yep. And these practices are so crucial. So anybody who follows the sport knows how big it is. Like maybe, maybe this is the, like the first start for the quarterback taking over for the guy who's opting out and whatnot. Yes. It's like, I mean, I watch every one of them, but if it's on, I'll do it. Obviously, the big bowls will watch too, but I don't hate it. But it is kind of ridiculous, though. Like some years, they may have like five and seven teams playing. Which yeah. I'm like, come on. But other than that, I don't hate it. Maybe maybe I'm kind of in the minority there. Yeah, I I, I think I think it has gotten ridiculous. Like you said, I think it's gotten ridiculous over the years. But I, I think there's the opportunity to see some good football, some genuine good football against teams that do have a certain amount of talent. It might not be the greatest talent that you're seeing. Again, today with the famous Toastery Bowl, Western Kentucky and Old Dominion, they're not the greatest teams out there. But it's just in terms of, you know, the type of football product that they can produce, you know, it may be entertaining here and there. So I don't know. I'm I'm coming around to it a little bit more. I've always been on the mindset of no, this is not good for college football. But you know, I'm I'm kind of coming around to it that you know what, the more football we have in our lives, the better. So, anyways, we're moving along here, John. Um, I'm hoping we can get into some of the bowl games, some of the more prominent bowl games here that we are going to be seeing over the next couple of weeks. Wanted to get your thoughts on specific bowl games and what we may actually see and what your thoughts are going into these games. First and foremost, love to get your thoughts on the Cotton Bowl. Ohio State versus Missouri. What do you think is going to happen here? Because as I mentioned, you know, at the top, Ohio State, we kind of saw them falter from time to time. And Missouri, you know, they were they were a force at times during this season as well. How do you think the Cotton Bowl is going to play out? This is the one I'm the most confident about. I'm not the gambling type, but Mizzou is going to slaughter Ohio State because Ohio State just, they don't, like Kyle McCord's in the transfer portal. Who's their quarterback? Yeah. They're dealing with a lot of stuff with the whole fallout of Michigan. Ryan Day's falling out of favor, which I think is kind of odd because he's a really good coach. And Mizzou definitely maybe might be good. They played my alma mater, University of Georgia, very well. They're probably the third best team in the SEC behind Georgia yep. and Bama right now, right there with Ole Miss. They're going to play really hard. This is another opportunity for um, Cody Schrader, the SEC running back uh, first teamer. Like he's going to try to go pro. Yep. Came up from like a very small level of college. I think Mizzou. They haven't played in the New Year's Six Bowl since it's been New Year's Six. I think the last one was like thirteen. They played Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl or something like that, and then maybe the uh, the Chase Daniel team in 07. But I really, I really like Mizzou in this game. Maybe it'll be close, but. 
I think that the urgency is more on Missouri's side in this game. All right, very good. Let's move on to the Peach Bowl. We've got Penn State against Ole Miss. And yes, I'm a Penn State guy, as you know, but uh, yeah. I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup. You know, I'm not going to be Homer all like, oh yeah, Penn State's going to be taking this. No, not at, not at all. What do you think in terms of this Peach Bowl matchup between Penn State and Ole Miss? Well, this game's going on four miles from my apartment here. And all right, you're nice. There. Nice. Yeah, so I saw like the, the, the signage up there on North Side uh, yesterday or over the weekend and stuff. It's crazy. These two teams have never played. Right. Ever, which yep. is odd because you think SEC, Big Ten affiliation, you'd have something. I think this has a chance to be the most competitive and interesting game and also very important for next year. Like the playoff expands. Penn State is the best program that hasn't made it in yet. And you would probably argue in the SEC Ole Miss has been that in the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, Lane Kiffin's doing a phenomenal job in the transfer portal. I think with Penn State having to change the coordinators, it may not be in the Nittany Lions' favor so much, but this is all about seeing what Drew, Al- Drew Aller can do. Yeah. See if he can kind of be what J.J. McCarthy did this year at Michigan. And depending on how you know you see Andy Kultanecki and then now with um, Tom Allen coming in from IU, you can be bullish on the Nittany Lions here next year. I, I think Ole Miss, if Ole Miss wins, honestly, with the way the SEC schedule looks, Ole Miss could win the SEC next year. Wow. They have a very they have a very easy schedule. Yeah. It's like if they beat LSU, because I don't think they play Bama. I mean, they got Georgia, but right. not having SEC West or East, that's good. This is going to be a fantastic game. So it may not draw the fanfare of some of the other bigger bowls, but like I think this has the chance to be the best one. I got to tell you, one of my favorites to probably end up watching is the one I want to talk about next, which is the Orange Bowl. Florida State in Georgia. My gosh, John. I mean, you're a Georgia Bulldogs guy and, you know, you know, putting the bias aside here, what do you think is going to happen with this particular bowl? Because these are two powerhouse teams and and teams that and one of these teams I think should actually be in the uh in the college football playoff, quite frankly, that's just my opinion. However, you know, Georgia a force to be reckoned with as well as you know. What do you think about the Orange Bowl here? There's there's a couple of outcomes that could happen. I think Florida State could be really up for this. You know, they may try to throw like a championship parade like UCF did a couple of years uh, ago. Yeah. If they were to beat Georgia, that would be really awkward and different for their standards. But, you know, if Tate Rodemaker can play and these guys are charged up and fired up, they can beat Georgia. There's a chance where Georgia could just be like, oh, we're really not interested. Kind of like when they played Texas in the Orange Bowl back in um in 18. But Carson Beck's going to play in the game for Georgia. He hasn't decided if he's going to turn pro or not. I think he's leaning towards staying because there's like upwards of six first round quarterbacks. And I don't think he's one of them. Yeah. He'd be down there with like Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. toward like the back end of the first round. There's a chance Georgia could blow out Florida State. There's a chance Georgia could lose to Florida State, but Florida State's not blowing out Georgia. I think this game is going to be very interesting. Probably of the near six, it's not the playoff. It may have the most intrigue because it's the two-time defending national champions who aren't defending it and the team that got absolutely robbed by the selection committee going at it. Yep. A lot of hype. I don't know if it'll live up to it, but I'm going to watch bias aside because I think it'll be interesting. <laughs> I think it's going to be a great, great, interesting game. And finally, I wanted to get your uh, opinions on the Fiesta Bowl. Oregon versus yeah. Liberty. Man, I, I think this is going to be a great, great game, too. I really do. I'm really intrigued by it. What do you think is going to be happening with this matchup? First off, I'm really excited that Liberty got to make the the New Year's Six because, like, 
Pusa hadn't had a team in yet. Uh, this is Jamie Chadwell's first year in Lynchburg, taking over for Hugh Freeze. The Flames have been outstanding. Yes, they yep. may have like playing with you know SEC caliber players in some positions at Conference USA, but that doesn't matter. Right, right. This is going to be Bo Nix's final college game, and this is very important for him because I think he's going to ace the interview process in the draft. But he's got to show that like he can win like big games, a game that people matter. Like this is the biggest game in like Liberty Flames football history. It is without question. Yep. It is. Yep. And um, you know I really like Dan Lanning what he's doing up there in Eugene. Obviously, they're going to get Dylan Gabriel coming in from Oklahoma to replace uh, Bo Nix next year. But like, I think Oregon's going to win. But I don't want to know what's going to happen if Liberty wins. <laughs> if Liberty wins, there's definitely going to be man. There's going to be some shakeups. <laughs> there, there's going to be some shakeups for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not ruling that out. Like, it's possible. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that's definitely not going to happen. But exactly. Like, the fact I like Liberty more in this game than I like Ohio State versus Mizzou says everything. This there you is, go. The New Year's Six are great. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I wanted to move on to the college football playoff with you and our discussion there. Frankly, I, I mean, I cannot wait until the college football playoff is going to have the expand, expanded bracket next year. I cannot wait for that. I, I, I think that it's going to make for more interesting college football and, and a more interesting college football postseason, quite frankly. You know, I've, I've really kind of just despised this four team thing for years and years at this point, John, and, and I don't, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I'm wondering, are, are you looking forward to it as well? The expanded bracket and uh, why or why not? Yeah, if, we were, if it was expanded now, both of our teams are in and that would be well, awesome. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it would be a, it, it, the way it breaks down, I think if you would have done the seating as it would have been, it would have been a rematch from the regular season. Georgia would have hosted Ole Miss and Athens. And I believe Penn State would be going to the horseshoe to play Ohio State, yes. which yeah. I think that's how that would have gone first round. Um, initially, I wasn't in favor of expansion just because like, I don't think in a season more than three teams can win a national title. But once I started to realize that you want to have this be a national product, you want the West Coast to be interested, the Midwest, the South, the Southwest, Northeast a little bit too, you know, yeah. with the whole country engaged in this, you got to have somebody in there. And it's not necessarily like, is the 12 seed ever going to win? No. Right. But like, you want to have the opportunity to have them a chance to compete, you know, kind of like why we like March Madness so much in college basketball. I was kind of apprehensive about the automatic qualifier, but with the death of the Pac-12, it doesn't bother me too much. You're still going to get enough quality at-large teams like this year that would have been, you know, a Georgia, you know, a Penn State, Ohio State, a Mizzou, like they all would have been in there. And they all would have, you know, probably had the ability to win multiple games here. But what I'm really looking forward to is like the on-campus games, like yeah. the the five, twelve, six, eleven, all those games. Because yep. it's a lot of these ads don't have the stones to like schedule somebody significantly in the non-conference. Some do, some don't. But like, oh, congratulations! Yeah, you you made the playoff as like the ten seed. You got to go to, let's check. Uh, you got to go to um, Ann Arbor, Michigan this year. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> or if it's too cold, I guess you're going to Detroit and you're playing with the Lions play. Right. So I think um, 
it took a season like this where it just had it had to be like this for it to become very apparent that the four team model doesn't work because we've been banking on the fact that you know four spots five power five leagues but all every league had had at least a team that was absolutely deserving of getting in and th- th- there's too much money to be had for you to be missing out on that i hope they get to multiple tv partners besides espn to, so they can like kind of advertise this on cbs nbc fox whatever yeah kind of like the nfl does like they can do it right but uh there's still a few pieces left to be decided but i'm in favor of it i think if once Ari Wasserman of the Athletic was in favor of it, then I think we all were in favor. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Once he was like, yeah, it's a go, then it's a go. So yes. Yeah. Again, folks, we're talking to John Bueller from Fanside. And also check out he and his co-hosts a podcast called False Start. Great college football talk over there. Follow him on Twitter at Bueller118. He's a great, great follow. And uh to I guess to close us up here, you know, talking about this college football playoff and specifically talking about these four teams teams that are going to be playing here in the semifinals, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, and Texas. A few questions for you here. Which team, first and foremost, which team do you think is going to absolutely get blown out? Florida State. (laughs) But but I think that's why the committee went this direction. Because it's really hard to answer this. Yeah. If if you had to tell me one, it's probably Washington. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. If Panix gets hurt. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't think that they're going to get blown out because like, I can't say the same for like Texas. Although if Quinn Ewers got hurt and they put Arch out there, good luck. Cause Malik Murphy's in the portal. That's true. Michigan yeah. would be fine. Alabama would be fine. I just, I don't know. Probably leaning Washington. Although I don't think we're going to get, we're going to see a blowout. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, next one. we have four here. So number two here, what matchup, do you think is going to be the most competitive to start us out? What do you think that's going to be? Oh, Michigan, Alabama. That's going to be must yep. watch. That's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think either team can win. Um, this is this is a very big one for Michigan. Like they have to win because they've lost their last two national semifinals. Lost to Georgia two years ago in the Orange Bowl, then just laid an egg versus TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. I'm not saying they were going to beat Georgia two years ago, but you should have beaten TCU last year, as illustrated by how lopsided the national championship was. Yeah. As for Alabama, like they're in. And once they're in, they're dangerous. And um Jalen Miller's Jalen Miller is a fantastic player. Uh they Alabama versus anybody. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to beat the evil empire that will not die. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is an interesting question, one that I didn't have for you. And this is something that's always kind of perplexed me a little bit. And maybe it's because of my love for Penn State and my disdain for certain other programs within the Big Ten. Is that like, do you, because you know, you, you being a Georgia Bulldog uh, and, and, and the fact that, you know, it's an SEC team, do you root for Alabama to win? Or is it, do you know, are you rooting for Michigan in a way? Because like for me, I completely, and people who listen to this, podcast know that I cannot stand Harbaugh. I cannot stand Harbaugh. Therefore, I cannot stand the Michigan football program. I'm not rooting for Michigan. I'm not necessarily rooting for Alabama, but it is not going to, I'm not going to be sad if Alabama wins. Do you know what I mean? Like I just cannot root for Michigan and people will say, yeah, but you're a big 10 guy. I don't care. I hate Michigan with every fiber of my body because of Harbaugh at this point. Are you kind of like that in a way or do do, do you see where I'm coming from there? 
It really depends on the teams. Obviously, okay. you, you having Penn State ties, there may be there may be different feelings versus like you know Ohio State and Michigan. Whereas like somebody out of the West is good, you're like okay, whatever, cool. True, that's kind of how it is with yeah. Georgia and Alabama. Although they've owned us pretty much forever, particularly in Atlanta. Yeah, like I don't I don't dislike Alabama as much as I dislike Florida or Auburn. Basically, that's just kind of and then Georgia Tech, whatever they're doing over there. Yeah, in the ACC, but. I like Alabama because it's Saban and it's it's excellence. It's a national brand. They they know how to do it well. Um, Harbaugh is just such a is such a goofball. I can't really I can't really do with it. Like he's just he's easy to make fun of. You know, <laughs> he's he's the kind of guy that like if he's playing like in the neighborhood pickup, he's always team skins. Doesn't yeah, matter what that's, exactly. <laughs> um, the fact that he was suspended for half the season, it's just like. Can somebody beat this team, please? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, John. As we're moving along here, just a couple more questions for you. In terms of these semifinals here, again, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, and Texas, which which team do you think may actually surprise us? Is there one? The most surprising team to me is Texas. I think they have the highest variance of anybody. I think all four of these teams can win the national title. Yeah. I was apprehensive about that with Washington, but I saw them gutted out versus Oregon State in the rain. I'm like, oh, this team is mentally tough. And then they went out and then uh, beat Oregon pretty good. So I'm not saying that like there's no team in here who can't win it. Yep. But we, we haven't seen the Sark game yet. I don't know if that's going to happen yet, but it could happen versus Washington, you know, overlooking like, oh, let's try to beat Bama twice in the same season. And like we get all the recruits or, you know, overlooking them thinking, oh, we got to play Michigan and stuff. I mean, if Quinn Ewers is healthy, they're fantastic. They've got a really good defensive line, really complete football team, really dominant in the trenches and stuff there. But it's Texas. They may they might be back, but they're also Texas. So you never really know when Lucy's going to pull a football back and Charlie Brown's going to land on his back. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Final question before I let you go, buddy. Which team you think comes home with the national championship? Right now, it's Alabama over Texas. That's okay. how I'm feeling right. That's how I'm feeling right now. Just because, like, what I because I was at the I was at the SEC championship and I was watching it very closely from the end zone. There's something about Milrow in person that's very impressive. He didn't even like complete half of his balls, but he was in command of the offense against a really good, really stout defense. We've also seen like light it up there too. I think he's probably my favorite next year to win the Heisman Trophy. Right now, like that guy is special. Tommy Reese has all the weapons he's ever wanted. And then Nick Saban and Kevin Steele will get that defense going. Yep. I just think in the ability to win two games in a row, that's the team I trust the most to do it. All right. Very good. Again, folks, John Bueller from Fansided, also the False Start podcast where they're talking college football. Follow him on Twitter at Bueller118. Great, great follow. My friend, thank you so much, John. It was great talking to you. Come back and join us down the road, my friend. All right, thanks for having me. Pleasure being on with you, Jeff. Man, the college football bowl season is just going to be so interesting. I love the conversation with John just now because there's so much excitement and there's a lot of, I, I would like to say, you know, diversity when it comes to specific teams being in certain positions, certain bowl games that they are in. That's going to make this bowl season really fascinating. Like we were talking about, like Florida State and Georgia. My gosh, it's going to be a fantastic bowl game. Penn State, Ole Miss. I think that is going to be extremely 
intriguing. And then, of course, the national uh, uh, championship game, what that is going to end up being. Man, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be interesting. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this particular Table Talk show. We got a lot more coming your way this week. It is uh, great to be back in your ears. As many of you know, I was on vacation with my family last week. But we're getting back to our regularly scheduled programming. Ha ha. So anyway, folks, we're going to end it there. Look, if anything happens to your podcast feed, head on over to PhiladelphiaSportsTable.com. We've got all of our shows over there. And uh, from a social media standpoint, I'm on threads. Mr. Jeff Warren. Been doing a little more over there as I've been kind of just... I don't want to say necessarily moving away from Twitter, but I just haven't been on it as much. It just hasn't been a great experience for me. It, it just has from, from a lot of various angles. So I'm not sure where 2024 is going to take me in terms of my online presence or the show's online presence. We're always going to be at PhiladelphiaSportsStable.com in terms of posting the podcast because the social media landscape has certainly changed for sure. So anyway, with that being said, you all take care and we'll catch you next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.